Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome in Center Court, Winner's Circle Network. Great to see you, Ralph. We used to sit back and watch and, and count the W's and L's when you knew you were on the bubble, okay? And with what happened this past week and you know, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Tech's trying to make a move. UVA gets the great win on the road, and then Duke comes to town and, and bursts that bubble. Do you think UVA has a chance in the in to be in the bracket? Well, Mac, I think if they would have beaten Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. the Duke game set them up for, for that. They'd have beat the Virginia Tech game, and Duke was going to come back and play hard, which we all know. Yeah. Kachewski last game at U-Haul, which was a great time, et cetera. But um, – they want to win some games in ACC tournament. Uh, yeah. I think they, they get in. I mean, I was watching the the, the the last four in, first four out, and stuff like that. And a couple of days ago, they were listed as one of those potential teams. Now, last night, they, they wasn't. So, right. uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, we got a, 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 one more game left for the regular season in ACC tournament stuff. They want to win. They go to win a few games to get the you know eighteen to twenty wins and. And maybe have a good win on the ACC tournament, and maybe, maybe they'll get it. Yeah, and Virginia Tech, I think, is on the outside looking in. I just don't think their record. Uh, I know they they got a good win at Georgia Tech, and they've still got a couple left. And I just think they're going to be uh, on the outside looking in as well. Um, I'll transition to ask you this: Have you seen the ACC Network's production of the ACC tournaments? Because this past week, I got to watch the early '80s. A lot of you, a lot of the Virginia, you know, uh, the NC State uh, 83 final, the Valvano run. Have you had a chance to see any of that yet? I have not, but I, I, I've heard about it the last two, three days. I've heard about it and, and I kn- knew it was coming. I thought it'd be earlier because mm-hmm. we taped some stuff all last year and it never came out. They never called us about when it was going to come out. So I'm like, okay, great. But I've been at the games a little bit around Charlottesville. Like, did you see the ACC tournament? And they had, you know, from the from the um, David Thompson years. Yeah, up, yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna get online and or or streaming wherever it may be and watch it because it, I think it's great to watch. And, yeah, uh, it is. To seeing it. it, it's 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 really well done. And I thought, and just to uh, not because we're partners in crime in the in the radio show, but just to, to compliment you, I thought you were really, really solid with your answers in the interview and very frank in, in talking about Virginia and the run and not winning the title and how much it meant and so on and so forth. And you know, what was funny, uh, NC state is like, they ran out of time. They got NC state to the NCAA tournament and totally glossed over the oh, regional wow. fight, the regional final again. But anyway, it's, it's well done. Very well done. A lot of wonderful interviews and uh, it's, uh, it's terrific. Well, hey, uh, we're going to talk a little basketball today because this was a guy who played one year with Tim Duncan and his whole life was set up and all of a sudden he ends up in Hollywood. And we're talking about, uh, some really 
top flight movies and series and Hallmark and Buffy and the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I mean, yeah. Mark, Mark Lucas just climbed the ladder and is one of the, one of the great, really one of the great Hollywood guys now. And uh, Blue, uh, Lucas and I caught up a couple of years ago and I, you know, I said, we got to get together on zoom and, and he's got a, a couple of wonderful quotes and, and uh, he's living the life in, in Pennsylvania, get ready to start a new series as well, but we're going to have fun because Ralph, you love athletes and people who climb the ladder. And one year or so at wake, but all the connections at wake, Tim Duncan one year, and then having the ability to go where he's going. That's what it's all about because yeah. everybody's not going to be a professional athlete. No, it's not, not going to be possible, but as long as you can take that and do something with it, sports, as you know, Mac, is the greatest thing in the world because it brings camaraderie. It brings teamwork. It brings a lot of things that the corporate world loved about athletes. Should be good. All right. Well, anyway, Mark Blucas is next, and this is Center Court on the Winter Circle Network, and Ralph and I return right after this. Stay with us. A bold new experience is coming to Charlottesville. Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson is opening the American Tap Room. It's an upscale sports bar brought to you by the basketball legend himself. Ralph Sampson's American Tap Room has been built in the spirit of competition with everything from burgers and wings to premium steaks and seafood. The Tap Room also features a special Ralph's House IPA made by the Three Knots Brewing Company. With a grand opening just a couple weeks away, now is your chance to join Ralph's team and get in on the ground floor of the American Tap Room launch. Whether you're traveling for the game and looking for that special pregame meal or meeting that important client, Ralph's American Tap Room is in a terrific location in Barracks Road off of Emmett Street. Discover Hall of Fame greatness Log on to americantaproom.com. Who's down on the baseline? They challenge Rob inside. They get the bucket and they're going to go to the line. The sophomore, Mark Lucas, is going to have a chance at a three-point play. That's a very positive early sign for Gerard to see Lucas take the ball right at Rob like that and draw the foul. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Once again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome in Center Court, Winter Circle Network. And uh, Ralph, this is going to be fun because I've known Mark Lucas since uh, <laughs> ooh, 1990. Before I dive into all the stuff he's done, which we'll do during the during the show, he had a quote that I want to share with Ralph. And, and Luke, you'll remember this because it was an article that was written about you. It talks about when you gave up law school and you're getting ready to go to work for Dale Earnhardt and, and the NASCAR guys. And But here was the quote that's one of the greatest ever. There were two quotes. On paper, I'm the dumbest person on the planet. I had everything you could want at the time coming out of college teed up for me. I chose something where I had no experience, no relationships, and I knew no one. <laughs> That's, that is the, the two greatest quotes, I think, in the history you know, of- and the, fir- and the first part of that, I'm the dumbest person on the planet on paper, still holds true, <laughs> shockingly, <laughs> all, these, all these years later. <laughs> Mark Lucas is, um, was a guy that, uh, and, my, and I was joking with Ralph, because I said, you know, I launched your career. You wanted to be behind the Dave Odom bench and grab a microphone, and I knew. To, but anyway, it was just- when you made the decision, of course, Eddie had a lot to do with it, right? You yeah. were you got cast in the the Whoopi Goldberg movie, Eddie, to play some basketball. Yeah, and just to just to kind of touch on that, Mac, you know, it's like when you you know, I grew up, you know, I grew up in a small town in Western Pennsylvania, and 
you know, when people ask me where, I always say it's right in between Deer Hunter and all the right moves. Like it's that, it's that town, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a blue collar kind of a factory place. And you know, this to make us all feel even older, this, this is pre-internet and social media and sure. these things. And so you defined success as being a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist. That was the path you were supposed to be on. Right. right. And you know, it's this small town thing. And it was that cliche. And, and Ralph, you're a little familiar, obviously at a way different scale, but it's like you use your sport to get out of your little town to create opportunities and get a free education. And you ride that, you ride that for as long as you can. And hopefully you open some doors and opportunities for yourself that I wasn't seeing my friends or maybe my parents' dreams that they didn't chase because that wasn't really what the programming was for those generations. And so you know, after, after my Wake Forest time, you know, I, I, I did the pro camp thing and got to play overseas and was, had enough satisfaction that I got paid to play the game. And I was like, okay, it's not obviously going to be your level Ralph. And it's not, it was never going to probably be a springboard for the NBA for me, but to do a shot. And then like most athletes, you know, that you're finishing up, it's kind of like, okay, I, I want to either stay close to the game. You either want to be a coach, a commentator, right. an agent, you know, you just want to stay close to it. So I, that's when I had said to you, Mac, and, mm -hmm. and we had conversations with ESPN and you let me get behind the bench and mm -hmm. call some games and get, get my foot wet there. Um, but at the time, you know, I'm so close, you know, Tim is going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft three years later. It was already known he was probably going to be that. Mm -hmm. And you see a, a fairly corrupt world. And what I didn't think was out there in the whole agenting thing was kind of like that 7-Eleven where you have a trusted financial advisor and someone who could negotiate your deals, but also handle your endorsements. And this was, this was the advent and the beginning of like the standardized contract in the NBA, where it's like, if you were drafted first, this, there was no negotiating. It, it was like, this is what you're making. <laughs> you know, it was all kind of laid out. So it was really an endorsement game. So that's what took me to Earnhardt because at the time, Jordan and Earnhardt were the two most marketed athletes in, right, in the right. world. I don't even remember how I got a meeting with him, but that's where I started a business with a certified financial planner and an investment guy and went down there and pitched Earnhardt and Don Hawk, who was running Dale Earnhardt Incorporated and said, you guys have a relationship with every corporation in America. It's 95. Everybody wanted to be in business with NASCAR. And they said, right, well, what are you thinking? I'm like, well, why are you only representing yourself? And they sat and looked at each other and like, what do you have in mind? And I was like, well, this is what I have in mind. I think we can expand on all these relationships. So that day we had David Stern on the phone. We had Major League Baseball, NFL. We got everybody, all the commissioners, everybody's picking up the phone from Earnhardt in 95. And we registered with everybody. I started this business, Earnhardt sending his plane for me and I'm meeting him at races and we're designing the company. And, you know, and so through all this, I get a call from the Wake Forest Sports Information mm -hmm. Director saying, hey, they're shooting a basketball movie in Charlotte. They need a baby-faced white kid that could shoot. <laughs> at that time, at, at that time, I was though I had those two qualifications. Now yeah, I was, those two, yeah, they, those two, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting on some facial hair for God's sake. But um, so I went and auditioned and I had a scholarship to law school. And, oh wow. And, and, and I had applied to UVA because they were top five and, yeah. and I got rejected. And <laughs> okay. I'll never forget as, as a highly competitive person, 
I sent the admissions department at UVA a response to my rejection <laughs> just because I wanted to get in the last word. Well, I said, success well, is born. When did you send that response? After you made you know, that, like, forget No, you, no, no. It, it was like, as soon as I got the rejection letter, you know, in the heat of emotion when you're not supposed to really reply to things <laughs> like that, I, um, I, uh, I sent them a one-sentence uh, letter back that just said, success is more a function of attitude than aptitude. Oh, yeah, that, Mac, another quote, we good. Uh, it was just like, because again, you're in that, one, you're at that age where you still feel invincible and you can do anything. And as the three of us all kind of have used and one of the themes of your podcast, rejection is one of the greatest things on the planet. Yeah. If you use failure the right way, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, it's like, you see it, the, like it's so highlighted. And I try to tell my kids that like, you see an athlete that somehow loses a limb or some tragic event happens and you either become a couch potato or you become like an Olympic athlete. You can yeah, use yeah, yeah. that moment to stop you or to propel you. Yeah. And, and so it was just like, I was in that, like, yeah, that doesn't work. Um, but it's kind of the same mentality of like choosing Wake Forest. You know, my, my choices out of, out of high school, Ralph, even though I got highly recruited were, do I go somewhere I visited Davidson. I visited Harvard on my official visits. I was like, okay, where the offense might be geared around me a little bit. <laughs> I, you know, at UVA, this is t when I got recruited in 90, it was Terry Holland's last year. So he recruited yeah. me, but they didn't name a head coach yet. And so I right, visited, right, right. I, I, it was really in the mix, but I was like, how do you sign up not knowing who the coach is yet? Yep. You know? So or my choice was to go at those levels of Wake and UVA, knowing I'm going to sit the bench and have to fight and claw and see if I can play at the highest level. And I, I'm just the guy like, I'd rather just know. I'd rather know in hindsight, that ah, wasn't good enough. <laughs> and, and then, you know, as opposed to go somewhere else and have a great career and always wonder, I'm like, but I wonder if I could have played with them, <laughs> you know? And, and so, but it's that mentality. I, I, I say that story now because it's really that mentality that like, I'm commentating with you a little bit and, and having a conversation with ESPN. I got this business with Earnhardt and things are kind of happening. And I get this phone call to go be in a movie, you know, that I was a glorified extra. I had a line, but it hit me like basketball hit me. I felt it here, here, and here. And when my head, heart, and gut all align, and there's something about, there's something about for me being a rookie and a freshman that I kind of like. And, and like the quote I said, it's funny that, it's funny that I said that as a, you know, 23 or four year old, whatever it was, because I kind of, that's always been the DNA. It's is, is like, you know what, I'm going to trust what I love and go for it. And if that doesn't work out, I'm okay. I have other options. I have a great degree. I, mm. I, I can go and I'll trust that I will pinball in the right direction. It's a funny, it's like, you know, Ralph, and I'm sure Mac, you guys are always like you, you, you teach or talk to kids or you go do something and someone asks you to speak. I've had to, because of technology and Xbox, I've had to change my analogy, but I've always said that like, yeah, it's like life's a pinball game. I'm like, do you guys know what that is pinball? Um, but it's like, you know, we're all trying to get in that one hole that just racks up points, but to get there, you're going to go, you're going to fail. You're going to go down the gutter. Um, but you want to land in that one spot. The courage is just getting the next ball and play. Just get in play and trust that you'll bounce around and meet the right people and relationships. And as long as it's of the right intention that you're working hard and you're absorbing and trying to learn and go, you will land in that spot. You'll get where you're supposed to be. And I had the right influencers and what I call your personal board of directors. Like, who do you turn to in your life for advice when you have to make decisions at that time? 
But that was a tricky one to tell my parents, who are both educators, that, you know, especially my dad, <laughs> whose dad was a coal miner in Pennsylvania and, you know, a meat and potatoes guy. Well, it's that's exactly where it came from. But also yeah. like, he was a principal. He was a high school principal in the 70s. So it was like, do you want paddle or do you want suspension? You know, that was a different, era. <laughs> you know, that was a different time. And so, you know, to tell them that your jock son who just is like has a business with Earnhardt and has a full ride to law school is turning thespian was a very interesting conversation. That, 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 had, to, that had to be a conversation that I would want to be a fly on the wall to hear because like <laughs> principal to a coal miner. So Mac, I just want to know one thing. So when he was behind the bench and wait, what mm -hmm. it was, you can hear his spirit with you the same person. I knew it was oh. with the same guy back then. He, because he loved it. It was a first chance to criticize Odom. After, oh, wow. four, after after four years and of course they, well you know, the first the first chance publicly that wouldn't affect my minutes and it was the only time it's the only time he told randolph children's to stop shooting and pass the ball once in a while so i'm like have have you ever been in a defensive stance by the way <laughs> this this theme also it also translates in texting to this day so 30 oh, years sure. later we're still challenging one another. Him and with guess my who's ball doing, handling. And, and Ralph, guess yeah. who's doing TV now? Randolph Childress, who's been on this show. Right. So, you know, Randolph's doing ACC basketball and doing great. When Coach Odom came to watch me play, because Ricky was the first one to see me play at the Nike camp in Jersey. Right. And I just had one of those moments where I shot the lights out of it. I just had one of those great days, and suddenly the phone was ringing. And then when Coach came, Odoms came up, to see, then Wainwright came next, and I was hurt. And this was the, this is what got me to Wake Forest is like hurt doesn't matter to me and you just play. And then Odom came to see me play and I couldn't throw it in the ocean. I was terrible. Something like we were soldiers. That was a fascinating experience because we got to re meet real life Vietnam vets that were at that battle. That was a massacre and, and just a, a harrowing story to be a part of telling. And so that to me is what life and not just acting is about. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball star Ralph Sampson. Again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome back. It's Center Court on the Winter Circle Network, and we are pleased to have Mark Blucas with us, former Wake Forest Demon Deacon, a, a really good guard from 90 to 94, ended up in uh, Hollywood, and he got this role in Buffy and the Vampire Slayer, and then all of a sudden the doors just started to open, and he's he's had some really good movie night and day with Cameron Diaz and Tom Cruise, When We Were Soldiers, uh, Summer Catch. I mean, really just a lot of great roles. Mark, when it came to getting that that first role I, i'm assuming that you had to work you had to find some some money in california somehow how did that how did that work for you funny enough i had what we alluded to earlier i had this conversation with my parents this the, the to sum that conversation it's good luck have fun don't ask for money yeah, and so well. <laughs> the right amount of love and tough love <laughs> um I get out there and, and, and like basketball, now I'm in the gym constantly. So I'm in acting class three nights a week. Um, I was a business and communications majors at Wake Forest. Like, I, you know, like uh, I had not touched this at all. And, and like I said, I, I was green and, uh, but hungry and, and just doing it as much as I could and trying to get a job waiting tables. And I couldn't. 
because in Los Angeles, waiting tables and bartending are such coveted roles because it leaves the, it leaves the actors free during the daytime to have auditions and meetings. So I had no experience doing either. And I remember I was in Century City at a Houston's restaurant. And I would I, for my for my callback, thinking Call like, back. okay, great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a job waiting tables and I can make some money. And I'm with the manager, and you know that point of any meeting when you can see it going south, like they're not gonna, they're not gonna offer you the job. Like we all know that moment. And I and I just felt my ego and desperation <laughs> kick, kick in. I'm they like, did. but but I was an academical American. Like I, I had 700 on the math in the SAT. I could do all this myself. I was a professional athlete. Like I'm fairly coordinated. I'm a personable guy. Like I'm good. He's like, yeah, but you just don't have any training. I'm like, I don't have the cheesecake factory people's bad habits. Like, <laughs> like I was, I was spinning everything I possibly could and couldn't get a job. So I went again, you use your past to inform your future. And I went to, and you, what you realize in Los Angeles is that parents will pay a premium to have their kids be taught how to use the phone book. Private lessons are a big thing. So I just went back to teaching basketball. I was referee in games and I was kids leagues games and, and playing in adult leagues there. And a couple of parents just started asking me, hey, you're great with the kids. Will you, do you do private lessons? So that was my waiting tables. I started teaching awesome. kids, doing private lessons just to make ends meet and pay for acting class and kind of support myself in LA for a minute. And then Buffy came along. And I wasn't ready. And it was like, it was kind of like me starting in the ACC my sophomore year and the beginning of the season, Mac. You know, for me to be thrown into guarding ACC, you know, first round NBA draft pick guards was, uh, you know, the trial by fire and, and being thrown to the wolves. And that's the best way to learn, obviously. Um, and so when the Buffy call kind of happened, like, I think I got cast as potential talent. It's a lot like recruiting when you're taking flyers on project kids or people, you know, you're like, okay, well, there's potential there. We'll see if it matures into something. You're a three real. star. You're a three right. star. <laughs> Maybe two and a half then. Um, but it was an unbelievable experience. They were super patient with me. Like I, I was so green and, and didn't know what I was doing, but uh, you know, I was there early every day. I knew my lines every day. Like you, there was no, I, I, I'm a crew member at heart. And so it was like that worth work ethic that you applied in, in sports. And, you know, Ralph, like it, it, the, just the value that, you know, the things that we believe in, in team sports and the lessons that they teach kids, it's like learning how to win and lose and being a part of something bigger than yourself. And all of the, all of the value of that, you could just apply that kind of work ethic that I did. And there's a lot of parallels because it's performing under pressure. I'm like, well, shit, if I can shoot a free throw at Duke, I can say a couple of lines. In front uh, of the camera. That, that, that was loud for sure. Duke, Duke and camera. So, but, so I hear the except where'd you get this work ethic? Cause it's, to me, it's, uh, I mean, there's not many people like you or, or like that, that I mean, you're kind of the elite of the elite. Cause if I'm your dad, well, whatever, look, you turn out a scholarship to go to law school and earn hard, whatever, then you go try to wait tables. But you have that, you you have a passion that I think people, especially young kids out here, want to hear about because your your road wasn't direct as far as how you got there, but you made it work. And but I'm I'm, I'm sure it comes from your dad potentially, but you haven't spoken about your mom yet. But your dad probably try to kick your tail every now and then because somebody put you on the basketball court, right? And maybe you should jump shots. That's maybe right. a coach, 
or somebody. And, and I got and I got lucky because I found something I loved at an early age, and that doesn't happen for everybody. But again, it's part of that team sports or the value of what kind of sports does. It gave me a set of like a constant confidence and self esteem, and I feel like between I mean I'm super tight with my mom and my sister, and 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 somewhere down the road, I didn't take failure as a negative thing. It has a bad connotation. And I feel yeah. like it's like rock bottom as a human being is the most informative place we have. It's where we really get to know ourselves. And failure is a, is the smaller, the lesser JV version of that, where you can be like, okay, am I going after what I want or what caused that failure? And if you can analyze it and take that energy you know, it's kind of like fear. Fear is just energy. You can apply it to being brave or you can apply it to running in the corner. Like you just have to mm -hmm. see, you just has like, where do you put that gasoline? Where does it go? And then you can hit the accelerator or you can't. And I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like I, I had a, I had a pretty storybook high school basketball career and a real, and a, and a really good coach. And we were Hoosiers. We won two state championship. I was the only kid that played in college. I was the tallest kid on the team. We played all man-to-man, -man, not one possession of zone. It was, we were just a bunch of junkyard dog, hardworking kids. <laughs> and so, I, I, you know, I guess it, I guess it probably comes from that, but it also, I think is that it doesn't matter how old you are. It's like you guys starting this, uh, you know, a year and a half or two years ago, like it's that quest to always be inspired by something, to do something, to, to pick up something and try something and know that like, okay, you miss shots. It's part of the, like, whatever, mm -hmm. it's a part of life. It's a part of the game. And you just, and you just kind of do it. And when you turn down, when you spend the first 20 years trying to get on a path that someone else sets for you and you achieve right. it, but then you realize you know what? I want to go on my own path and I trust myself to, to give it a shot. And I know wherever I would have, wherever I pinball from there is the right place to be because I'm going for it. I, I'm just, I'm going mm. for it. And that's the biggest thing that I see in, in, in kids and youth right now is because, and I think I don't want to sound like a broken record of like you blame social media for everything or whatever it is, but it's like, there's so many comparisons and they, and they compare themselves to standards that aren't realistic sometimes. And so they don't want to engage because there's a fear of failure and judgment of themselves and others, and they can't post it or, or something. And it's just like, we didn't have that, which was a, which was, there's a lot of freedom in that. You had a couple of roles before Buffy. And then, uh, cause I read that you were, that you weren't going to be uh, named to be in Buffy, but then all of a sudden you got a second choice, a uh, second chance, right? You got to had an opportunity did, to go back yeah. and try, but well, you had a couple of roles before Buffy, right? Yeah. But they were, again, they were kind of basketball related, but, and it was just kind of extra work and a little speaking stuff. They were, they were oddly sports themed mm -hmm. and you can, you just know how to kind of play that card when it came about. Like I went to an open call for the movie Pleasantville, which needed three days of basketball shooting and whatnot. <laughs> and an open call in Los Angeles means you guys can, anybody can come. And there was 4,000 people there. And wow. with a huge, with a huge director named Gary Ross, who since directed yeah. Hunger Games and Seabiscuit. I mean, he wrote the movie big, like he's a huge, you know, entity right. in Hollywood. And there was 4,000 kids there. And he said, who played basketball in high school? And he, everyone raised their hands. And I'll never forget this because this, this was right off. This was right off the bus. Like I wasn't in Los Angeles for three days when I heard about this. And he said, y'all just want the job. Who played in college? And I was the only one. I said, where? And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, please be a sports fan. 
because <laughs> you just don't know how that's good, you know? And I said, wait for us. He's like on scholarship. I said, yeah. And he said, like, I go, I guarded Grant Hill and Jerry Stackhouse. He's like, you stand <laughs> over here. Um, <laughs> and so I just, I see, I just, I had the courage to seize that moment. I went right to him. I said, Mr. Ross, I don't have an agent. I don't know what this script is, but if you need someone to choreograph the scenes for you and put the basketball oh, wow. guys together, I can do that. If you need someone to make shots off camera, I led the ACC in three point field goal percentage. I, I, I can make shots, like whatever you need. He's like, well, in, you know, in the movie Pleasantville, everything's perfect and it like all works out. So no one misses a shot. Right. And so I, I, I end up, I, he's like, meet me at Warner Brothers next week. So I go into a sound stage and it's like one of these giant airline hangers and there's a basketball hoop that he had set up there. He gives me the script. We talk about choreography. He wants me mm-hmm. to do it. I get the job. He wants me to, to choreograph the scenes and be the sports coordinator for the movie and give me a credit for that, which is cool. As, as a player, I had a trick shot where I would do a one-handed behind the, yeah, you know, behind my head half court shop. And I would kind of make it at a higher percentage than I should have. I think I got, I'd had more success than that than Randolph did a defense, but anyway, (laughs) uh, I, uh, and so I'm walking out of this airline hangar with the script and this like job and a little bit of pump up and like, you got to get these little wins along the way. And again, there's no lines. I'm just an extra in the movie, you know? (laughs) And I get to the half court and I'm like, Hey, Hey, Mr. Ross, if I make this shot, you give me a line in the movie. He goes, you make this shot. I'll put you in the whole movie. Oh, wow. and, I, and, I, and I threw it behind my head and I turned and I looked and the damn thing went straight in. Like it just goes, and, you know, because I, I, I thought of that because I see you and Larry uh, in the picture behind you, Ralph. I was yes. like, that's exactly what I did. I just love my finger up and I'm like, see you on set. Um, and, that's and, great and, stuff. And, to, and so I shoot the three days of basketball. You come from Pennsylvania, you only think of Hollywood as like sunglasses, red carpet, drugs, earthquakes. Like you don't think <laughs> of like the ethic of what we came from to get where we are, right? Like like that work ethic and that right, thing. Right, and I met yeah, people yeah. Who, who were having fun at what they did, but still worked their ass off. I just want to be like everybody else. Yeah, like everybody else. What could I give you, Sam? The president's daughter. I don't have anything to offer you. What if I was just like everybody else, James? How would you feel about me then? You still get it. It makes total sense. April's getting married. And that is stressful. No, 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 okay. Hi, June. Maybe I didn't make it clear enough, but we're going to have to stick together. I'm sorry. Who are you? This is the guy. I'm a guy. I'm the guy. (laughs) (laughs) Please, for your own safety, please stay in the booth. This is Center Court. Presented by the Winner's Circle Network in association with the Sampson Family Foundation. It's Center Court, Winner's Circle Network with Ralph Sampson. I'm Mac McDonald. Our guest today, Mark Blukas. And Mark, you know, of all the movies that you have made, all the people that you've uh, you've been with, one of my favorites has to be Summer Catch because... Ralph, that is the story of the Cape Cod League, you know, where these amateur baseball players are trying to trying to cut it, maybe get that that college deal or that pro contract. And Mark, I, you had to have a lot of fun with Summer Catch. I love that movie. And what was and what was fun since all of our characters had to be like college athletes, I called up Wake and say, "Hey guys, can I be a Wake Forest athlete and licensing and rights and all that?" Right, They're right, like, right. "Absolutely." So I got the Wake Wake Forest gear in the movie. And when we were doing it, I was like, wait a minute, 
all of my scenes in this movie are in a bar, a baseball field, or a bedroom. I'll, I'm in. I'm, I'm in. in. I'm in. <laughs> there was a speech. Um, you had a famous speech in that movie. I don't know if you yes. want to redo it, but it's one of the. I'll have to tell Ralph after. It, I think. The, I, yeah, I think in this era that speech wouldn't be allowed. Um, <laughs> but at that time, it was. And and again, it's just so much of this is a function of. You know, we always joke as actors, like, what are your special, what's in that special skills part of your resume? Right. And look, if you're a martial artist and a black belt, and like, it's going to create opportunities for you. You know, it's like, you know, there's been, whether it's, whether it's the war movies like Alamo or We Were Soldiers or sports movies, I've done the football and basketball and baseball and done, like, they'll pick up the phone. It's like, hey, can you play tennis? I'm like, I'm not a professional tennis player. I but on camera, I I, it'll come <laughs> off just fine. So, and Macalucci, so after, you know, you, you, his acting thing, and I'm, I'm just crazy about this, your, your dad and mom, okay, great. But Mac mentioned as well. So you play these roles, but you also have some 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 actresses, actors that you work with. Who's the best? Who's the, what's the situation that you work with in, in the best Wait, setting? Uh, the, the, that, the that's movie, a, that's the, a tough one because it's, it's a little bit of everything, you know, sometimes those little independent movies that you have no money and people wearing different hats and you kind of do like, they end up being amazing experiences, but it's like, you know, when I did night and day, which was the Tom Cruise, you know, Cameron Diaz is my girlfriend. Yeah. It's a Tom Cruise movie. I grew up on top gun in these movies. Like I yes. was, I'm a huge Cruise fan. I always have been. And that that movie was just a, a you know an unbelievable experience in fact there's a there's a podcast that i did last year called meeting tom cruise about two guys that want to meet tom cruise and never have and they interview people that have worked with them it's a <laughs> great idea and it's a big it's a big hit and you talk about it and he was he was amazing it's like mel gibson was phenomenal like every 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 artist and actor has their way to get there some people want to go back to their trailer and focus on the scene and some people are joking around at the camera and messing around and cracking jokes and they yell action and they change and get into character and go but i've had i've had a pretty amazing run whether it's you know whether it's gwyneth or naomi watts or uh, you know or tom cruz or cameron diaz or i mean there's been there's been an awful lot that I have been exposed to and fortunate to work with the people I like. And what you quickly understand is like, they're who they are for a reason. 99% of the time, they're great people. They work their butt off. Obviously they've been given a gift and they're super talented, but they know that the job is both on camera and off. And it's just like, Hey, when it's time for my close up. Tom Cruise is off camera, giving it to me and going for it. And we ended up, we have a, we have a great scene in that movie in a diner where it's he and Cruise and Cameron Diaz and we're all in a circle and everyone jokes. They're like, you're like a foot taller than Cruise. I'm like, but if you'll notice, I'm always sitting down in the scene. Right, right. Um, <laughs> um, and, you know, and we're joking around and doing this and, you know, Tom is like, you think he's like a very, like a rigid by the book, like state of the script. And we start improvising and doing this whole thing and we're laughing and he's cracking up off camera. And the professional in me, when people asked what it was like working with him, I say, look, it's no better. His energy's great. He's warm. He, he gives it to you off camera, on camera. He's, he's great. The fan in me, was like, I got the need for speed high five after my close-up. I mean, that's about as good as it's going to get. Didn't you read for Jerry Maguire? That was my first audition when I when I went to Los Angeles originally. Um, an agent was like, hey, we want to send you on a few auditions and see the feedback, and then we'll see if we'll represent you. 
And I, I got close. I didn't get the job, but I, right. I still have that script on my bookshelf. It was the first script that I was ever given to yeah, read yeah. to go have a to go have an audition. How um, about that? So, so there's this it factor. You know, you see, you've seen it at at a young age. You've seen it at Wake. You've seen it with Mac. You've seen it in the movie. You've seen it with Earnhardt. And there's a difference between athletes, entertainers, people that have that thing, right? You have it. I had it in college, NBA. Tom Cruise has it. And everybody might think he's Tom Cruise and he has to carry himself a certain way, which that's the business, right? But he's also a human being that he has fun, right? So what do you see between Gwyneth and Tom, yourself, Tim Duncan, and all the people that you know, especially yourself, what does that itch factor mean? Because, I mean... Some people, some some players don't have that. You know that. I mean, you know, they don't have that no. thing that they want to work hard right. to get done because acting is is not just fun, but they mm -hmm. work hard, right? I, I think it's it is a great question, and and I certainly don't know the answer to it because that's why it's called an it factor because no one can really define it. <laughs> but um, I I do think it's a lot of the elements that we've talked about that we've all had. I think it's of level of kind of like self-esteem and confidence and a fearlessness to fail and an acceptance of that, knowing it can push you in the right direction. It's not taking yourself, it's taking what you do and what you're trying to accomplish seriously, but not yourself seriously. And being able to undercut and have some humor and, and, and have some perspective on kind of what that is. It's the ability to be a sponge and not have a narcissistic right. ego or something about it where I can learn something from anybody. I don't care if the guy's homeless. I don't care if the, I don't know if the woman professor, it doesn't matter. Like I can get something that can propel me and help me along um, in life to do that. And I think another part of that it factor too is, is understanding that balance of like, okay, I, I can have a life outside of my dreams. Some people that immersion, like, look, we heard the stories about Jordan and all these, other, like there's some people like the uh, uber elite of they, that may communicate on a different plane. Like that, that's not mm. me. Like, it's, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's tiger. That's, you know, like that's a few people that just um, when every single thing lines up for them and it's easy to see that like DNA, heart, head, all of these things have just kind of like lined up in the stars and then commitment um, to it. And so, I don't know, I, I, I do think it is so much of a lot of that from the people I've seen from Tim and, 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 and we even we've mentioned Emily Giffen, who's a mm -hmm. wildly successful author and all these things. It's like, it's that ability to get out of self to understand that they're selfless and you have families and you have kids and you do those things and you, and you want to do that, but it's also that ability to not take yourself too seriously and, and, and to know how to, I think the other thing too, and this is what I see so much with kids. It's like, they see a roadblock or a speed bump in the road and they turn around. It's, it's a roadblock. You got to know how to fight through that. Like there's going to be obstacles all the, all over it. All it means, it doesn't mean go the other way. It's just like, I'm still going there. I just have to find a different road. I'm just, I'm just going to get there like another way. It's like, okay, here's a bump in the road. And I, and I, and I don't see grit. It's a word my wife and I use a lot. We want to make sure our daughters have, it's like, you got to have grit. You can, yeah, you're going to have coaches yelling at you. You're going to have, you're going to get fired. You're going to have jobs. You're going to always have to answer to somebody. You know, and there's a there's a way to be respectful, but there's also a way to draw your foot in the sand and say, this is who I am and this is what I'm going for and this is what I'm doing. And you don't have to hurt people along the way to get there, you you know, and, and I feel like that's kind of the it factor when you see it. It's just like I always said that when I was when I was doing those private lessons in L.A. and I'm like, listen, you have to understand, I can't grab a kid off the street and make him a college athlete. 
there has to be some God-given right, talents right, right. here. Yeah, yeah. You gotta <laughs> you have know? a little bit. Gotta have a little bit. But Mac, you know, I, I will say the one other thing, and, and it's like, I, I want to prove that I practice what I preach a little bit, is, you know, when COVID happened, all I could think as an actor is like, all I do is, you know, either kiss women I just met, <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. or I film in, I film in a room with a ton of people in a small space. And so I was like, I don't know when Hollywood's ever going to work again, when this all happened, you know, two years ago. Sure. And so I have restored, you know, I live back in Pennsylvania and, and we left to LA, you know, California 10 years ago. And I restored an old historic farmhouse that's, three, it was built in 1711. So before George Washington was born is the house I live in. Wow. And I restored this house. And over the years, I've had people say, hey, can you come and design or build or do <laughs> redo our historic property? Because, you know, we have a barn and a carriage house. And so I, I, I landscape and incorporate and I, it's just been I'm a do it yourself. So, you know, some of my joints don't allow me to go to the gym anymore, but I work constantly on our little farm. What, what do they do? So Contact we, you and say we need a baby face contractor. Yeah, Is that yeah. what <laughs> I'm like, hey, I know a guy. <laughs> um, uh, Mark, and so good. right when COVID, right when COVID happened, I had another one fall in my lap so i started this historic home restoration uh of course you did business of course you um, did and so well, when I'm we, 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 we'll have to talk about that off the, off the show because they're off on the yeah. same process but that, that's, Ralph, that's H, crazy. hgtv yeah. is next it's, I, I, it's I, 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 I got i got, yeah. I got it's, listen it's already, there's been a lot of the works it's already yeah no there's been a lot of conversation that's not something i want to do but i i just oh, i really love the creativity Luke, that's terrific stuff, and it's really been a lot of fun catching up with you. I didn't get to acknowledge it on or off camera, but you guys both know that I've been fans, obviously, of you, a fan of you, Ralph, from afar, from being in high school and watching you guys win it all and, and, and growing up and doing that. And, Mac, obviously, I consider you one of those adults that impacted me in my formative years coming through college. And you, as we talked about, created an opportunity for me to explore. And I think that's such an important thing. Like dip your toe in, go try it. See if that, it's not failure to check something off the list. Luke, I appreciate those words. I knew, I knew you were going to be good the first time you put a microphone in your hand. And uh, congratulations on a, on, a, on a wonderful career. This is Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. Ralph and I return right after this. To get into sports casting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet. It's because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one, Full Sail University. Great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sportscasting I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. Welcome in Winter Circle Network and uh, Bluke was fun and uh, he's very, very candid and just, you know, some of his quotes and boy, he's been with a lot, as I told him, he's been with a lot of uh, great first ladies, uh, yeah. said, <laughs> yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow, Katie Holmes, uh, Reese Witherspoon, Jessica Biel. I mean, but he's uh, he's very happy. He's a father. He married a journalist and, and uh, he's just 
I, I love Mark to death. I always have. And uh, I would never take any credit at all. But when he graduated, he came to me. I was at Wake at the time doing radio. He said, could I be your sideline guy and do reports? No, 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 so no. I said, okay. So I always, I always kid him about, you know, I launched your career, right? So anyway, he's just a, he's a great guy. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, great guy, career and, you know, just a stand at Wake. And I mean, with the, it's the star of the line. It's like, you know, working with, LeBron and Shaq and <laughs> right. I, mean, I mean you work with the elite the elite of the elite so that had to be a, a fun a fun ride as we know yeah by the way are you going to head up to uh speaking of, of basketball uh and we were talking in our opening segment about all the ACC stuff are you going up to Brooklyn you going up to the ACC tournament you know Mike I, I was thinking about it uh this week and you know it's like that time of year and I want to go I want to go this COVID thing is happening still so I want to be careful uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to go yet, but I just, I, I don't like the ACC tournament in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, it, it's a great venue. Don't get me wrong. It just, just never, I just think the ACC tournament always in my mind is in Greensboro. It was Greensboro. I drive down, hang out, go <laughs> and, uh, yeah. tailgate with people and hang out. But I, I just don't know yet. I just don't have a good feel for it right now. Yeah. Too many of the big East coaches, uh, the Bayheims of the world. And, uh, you know, they're all complaining about oh, why I always to Carolina, but I, I agree. I think that's a, that's a, it's like the masters. You should, you, yeah. you should always you play one, one venue yeah. Greensboro. Yeah. I know wake and care, but it's just, uh, it's one of those things. Well, I know you're close. Uh, we've been talking about it a lot. Your restaurant is uh wow. Love your website. You got a lot of things put in place. Uh, uh, do you have an update on what's happening? Yeah, the latest and greatest is, uh, I'm not going to spill the beans, but there's this great mural on the wall that we had painted, and it's done, it's up, um, and I'm excited uh, more today. Do you, do you uh, have pictures? I have pictures, yes, I have pictures. I have you, need pictures. To, you need to text me a picture. Anyway, that's awesome. I will text you a picture, and okay. I'll call I will text okay. you a picture, but it's a great, 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 great look, and then... Uh, uh, I'm, I've been very uh, pleased and surprised about all the little changes you make. You know, it's like building a house or you sure. build something, you got to tweak it here, tweak it there. And so we have a great team over there. And I'm, I'm sure the next week by the 12th or so of March, uh, I, I want to be, I want to get March Madness in a little bit. You know, I don't I'm going to get some games in there, get that in a little bit. But, you know, the weather's changing a little bit. Mac was up here with 75 degrees. Now it's maybe yeah. 30 today. But, uh, things like that are good. So I'm getting excited uh, about it. We got some things to deal with the city that hopefully will be fixed uh, this week or, or, or next. Uh, but it's close. And then uh, we'll give everybody some heads up soon. We, we made the announcement, did the press release, as you know. Yeah. And uh, so it's going to get out. You know, it's been that game. They're like, when are you going to open? When are you going to open? We want to come. We want to come. Like, great. All you guys come. Everybody come. And, uh, you know, That's it'll awesome. be a waiting line, but we'll, we'll get you in and get you out. And, uh, the team is coming together and the staff is coming together. We got Puma shirt. I mean, stuff is happening. So I'm, that's I'm excited. Awesome. All right. For Ralph Sampson, I'm Mac McDonald, and that's center court for this week. We are proudly the Winner's Circle Network. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. Teamwork makes the dream work.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.